Welcome to the EPP Group Podcast. Politics from the heart of the EU. On today's podcast, Life After Cancer, we'll hear from the inspirational ladies and cancer survivors belonging to the Sea of Change Choir. And Dr. Benedict Belja talks to us about the challenges of survivorship and how cancer patients can be better supported. This is the EPP Group podcast, bringing you politics from the heart of the EU and continuing our focus on the group's priority of beating cancer in the EU. I'm Cleona Connolly. Sea of Change, a hugely popular choir group formed by cancer patients and survivors in Ireland, performed here in the European Parliament, marking World Cancer Day recently. Their story is the epitome of survivorship. They are world record holders. They have also managed to raise around €800,000 through charitable efforts for childhood cancer. They all spoke of the amazing support the choir had been in difficult moments, the friendships that have been formed, and how they wanted to spread their message that there is life and hope after cancer. Deirdre Featherstone is one of the founders of the choir. The choir actually came from the big world record we did last year. We're all world record holders here. And we've um, fundraised around 800,000 out for childhood cancer. We bought a house in Crumlin for Avian's Pink Tie. We're very proud of ourselves. And basically the choir came about from Ireland's Got Talent asked, would we get something together? And we said, why not? You know, and then the name Sea of Change is because everyone that has gone to the dip has lost because a lot of us are cancer survivors. And there's a huge amount of people, there's two and a half thousand people that day, and probably a thousand of them were affected by by cancer. So the Sea of Change came about, that's how we got our name. That's how everybody here today has um, been has done the strip and dip every year, and that's how the choir started. And we like to go out there and show people that there is life after cancer without forgetting all the people that we've lost to cancer, and we want to celebrate people that are still here and think about the ones still going through and show people that there is hope after cancer. Dr. Benedict Belge, you're very welcome to the EPP Group podcast. Um, you're a medical doctor, first and foremost, at the Medical Service of the European Parliament. But you're also going to talk to us about survivorship in, in terms of cancer, because you launched in 2015, in collaboration with the psychologists of the Medical Service here in Brussels, Breast Cancer Support Group in the European Parliament. And uh, that's been very successful, I understand. And then a new group is going to start in March. So I wonder, could you talk to us a little bit about your experience of survivorship of cancer? Thank you very much. Really, thank you um, for welcoming me um, because it's, um, I'm really passionate about the subject. Because indeed, uh, we have to focus on the person and not only on the diagnosis. The diagnosis of cancer is very often source of a lot of feelings and emotions like sadness, anxiety, anger, denial, helplessness. And not only for the patients, but also for the families, for the survivors, for the carers. They face a real trauma. And we have to ensure that they receive the support that they need. 
cancer survivors often find it very difficult to come back to work, to go on with their lives because they face stigma that might add to their suffering, for example, from the insurance companies, but also at the workplace. And so once the treatment is over and they return to work, they have to re-enter teams that often organize themselves already without them. And their colleagues very often don't know what to say. They have also to cope with the long-term side effects of the treatments. Very often they mention uh, sleeping problems, chronic pain, fatigue, difficulties with concentration and memory. And so the medical team in charge of the cancer treatment has very often no time to offer enough support uh, to the cancer patients when they return to work. And the employer has very often no system for addressing their specific needs. So what's really important is that we realize that there's a big gap between the hospital and work. And it was in 2015 that uh, you first launched this survivor group. That's a model that you say could be implemented across the EU in workplaces and in communities. But what exactly does that involve? Because of this gap between hospital and work, and also because of the difficulties of one of our own colleagues in the European Parliament, who is a breast cancer survivor, we decided in 2015 to offer psychological support for women with breast cancer in the European Parliament in Brussels. And this method emphasizes the importance of the group both for psychological support, but also for peer support. Each participant takes turns listening and being heard. And we discuss different topics like the diagnosis, the treatment, the side effects of the treatment, the return to work, the contact with colleagues, the contact with families and the carers. And this approach stimulates mutual support breaks down isolation and allows experience to be shared as part of the return to work. Our first group started in 2015 and was a real success. The cancer patients and survivors showed an increase in their resilience and they had less anxiety, sadness, helplessness, feelings that are associated with their illness. They had all a successful return to work and building on the success of this group in 2015, we are now launching a fifth group in March in the European Parliament in Brussels. So I'm really convinced then that this model uh, is an inspiration and could be implemented across the EU workplaces and organizations to build a bridge between the hospital and work and to offer cancer patients and survivors the support they need. Given your field of expertise and this specialised work, uh, what's your reaction to this EU priority to beat cancer? I must say I was really happy to hear that the fight against cancer will become an EU top priority. And I followed most of the debates in the plenary. The European master plan to beat cancer is a hope for all of us, because cancer concerns all of us in one way or another. The fight against cancer is indeed a field where European cooperation can make a real difference in the life of millions of Europeans. We need to join our forces and I really believe that we have the capacity for change. The creation of a special committee dedicated to the fight uh, against cancer is an excellent initiative. But different areas should be involved like prevention, screening, early diagnosis, access to optimal treatment, quality of survivorship, better data, 
and e-health palliative care. And as said uh, Commissioner Kiriakides, Europe's fight against cancer must be based on a holistic approach and the person should always be at the center of the discussions. People are very much at the heart of this and it's all because we want to prevent people suffering. We want to help them when they're going through treatment and we want to help them after that. And often the question is for people who have had that terrible news that a, a loved one, a colleague, a friend has been diagnosed with cancer. They wonder, what can I say? What can I do? How can I help? What would be your advice for them? Through my experience in the Breast Cancer Support Group and also as part of the Mind Matters program in the European Parliament to raise awareness uh, fight stigma and promote inclusion. I organized recently a conference in the European Parliament on how to support a loved one with cancer. Because the circle of impact of a cancer diagnosis is much wider than we often assume. On average, nine people uh, are directly impacted and around 21 indirectly. Supporting a loved one is not placing yourself in the shoes of the other person or protecting them so that they don't suffer. But it's trying to have an insight into the process your loved one goes through. It's about a lot of empathy. And just as importantly, it's about knowing yourself too. It's about listening to yourself and assessing how you yourself would cope with cancer, illness and death. The most important thing is to communicate openly and frankly. We should never assume that we know what the other person is thinking or feeling. And we should not try to guess. And nonverbal communication can be also very important. The cuddle therapy is very, very powerful. And please don't forget to take care of yourself. Because supporting a loved one with cancer may feel you worn out, frustrated and sometimes even angry. It can be helpful to talk to someone about what is happening. And it's like in the plane. First, put the oxygen mask on yourself mm -hmm. before helping the others. Mm -hmm. Don't forget that you can also find out more about the EPP Group campaign to beat cancer in the EU by visiting the website eucanbeatcancer.eu. Listeners can also show their support for this cause by posting comments using the hashtag eucanbeatcancer and by connecting with the group across all the main social media channels. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to this week's EPP Group podcast. Goodbye for now. Please subscribe, rate and review our podcast on your favourite podcast platform. If you have a topic that you'd like to hear discussed, then please get in touch via social media. We are the EPP Group on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.